The Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com for more information and to take advantage of their special offer for Locked On Giants listeners. Enter the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. You're with Patricia Tray and I covering your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. There you can keep up with uh, articles that I write. The, I have the links up there. You can participate in Twitter Tuesdays, Twitter Thursdays, ask questions, whatever you like. Uh, I, you can find me on Twitter. I'm very active there and always happy to engage with the followers. And I mentioned Twitter Tuesday. And sure enough, as promised, we have a new edition of Twitter Tuesday, our weekly mailbag. Great questions as always. I know you guys hear me say this every week, but it's true. You guys come through with some, you know, not the usual questions. And that's what I really like about this feature is that you guys come through with, with unique questions that are timely, uh, that are well put put together. And I do thank you for that. And I'm looking forward to answering the questions over the course of the next three segments. Before I do, just a couple of housekeeping notes. On Wednesday, Chris Biziano joins me on the program. Um, As I had promised to you on yesterday's show, I'm trying to get different uh, reporters who were at the Giants rookie minicamp to come on, give me their take on what they saw at the minicamp as well. So this way you get a variety of different opinions, because as I mentioned on Monday's show, one person can't see everybody and everything at the same time. So really, you know, the more opinions I can get for you, the, you know, the happier I am to do so. Also coming up later this week on the program, special guest Dean Blandino is going to join me. Uh, Dean Blandino, as you guys know, is the former NFL vice president of officiating. And uh, Dean's going to come on to talk about a project he's involved with. We're also going to talk a little bit about officiating. So I really hope you enjoy that program and you will tune into that. Um, Also for schedule for this week, We're going to have the giant assistant coaches. So we'll have that program as well. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. We're going to have um, uh, media access actually on Wednesday. So I should be able to get sound bites, clips and whatnot, and just be able to pass along some observations from that session. So really another busy week here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Do appreciate everybody listening in, writing in with suggestions and whatnot. And I hope you look you will enjoy the programming that we have planned. All right, so let's get into the first uh, third of the questions on today's list for Twitter Tuesday. And we're going to kick it off with a question from at uh, D. Seidenfrau. Wants to know, uh, would it be possible to hear from the Rookie position coaches on the show would love to hear from the later round picks specifically and the 
UDFAs. Uh, David, as I mentioned at the top here, um, the assistant coaches will be available to the media on Wednesday. Um, I will try and get some of these guys alone, but you know, the, the problem, or I should say the challenge is that you usually have uh, groups around each assistant coach. So to get a guy one-on-one, -on -one, it's kind of tricky. Um, I can see what I can do, no promises, but um, I, I guarantee you everybody's going to be around Mike Shula asking about Daniel Jones. Um, I suspect everybody's going to be around the defensive line coaches asking about the prospects there. The cornerback coaches are going to get a lot of attention. So I'll see what I can do. Worst case scenario, I'll just grab some audio and I'll put that on the show, which I have planned for later this week, where we'll just play some audio clips and, and work that way. But as far as actually getting a one-on-one, -on -one, that's a little bit of a tricky proposition because the assistant coaches are made available only during certain times during the year and on special requests. And usually the special requests are more so for articles than they would be for podcasts. So um, hopefully the, the workabout that I have in mind will, will suffice. Next one comes from Ant Galasso. Once he has two questions uh, unrelated, let's see to this current point in the offseason wants to know how do teams decide which players speak in press conferences and when a player gets fined in the regular season where does the money go to answer question number two that money goes to a pot which covers a variety which is donated i should say to a variety of nfl charities so it's not like that money you know goes back to the league or anything they do give that money to charity. I don't remember which charities they are, but I think it's it's a series of charities. Um, regarding which players speak in press conferences, um, that is usually uh, determined by a variety of things. It could be anything from media requests. It could be, you know, like the story of the day. For example, if a player signs a contract, um, he's brought to the podium. They could be the A-listers, you know, the, the, the you know, the big names on the team, you know, like an Eli Manning is always going to be a podium guy. Um, I would think a Sterling Shepard is going to be a podium guy. Uh, Marcus Golden is going to be a podium guy. So different guys um, are, are selected. Uh, most of the times the media does request who they want. Sometimes the Giants will suggest some of the players who are brought out, but uh, it's, it's a give and take. So I, you know, I really don't have any complaints over how the selection process goes. Um, really, the only frustrating thing that sometimes pops up is sometimes you will ask for a player to come out to interview, and for whatever the reason, be it a meeting, treatment, or what have you, sometimes they don't come out during the offseason. So, but for the most part, the Giants are really good with accommodating requests and, um, and working with the media. All right, next one comes from Marbles108 who has says based on the eye test how many rookies can start and out of and out of how many picks and free agents make the team um marbles i can't answer the second part of that because i don't think the roster is set i think there's um i want to say one more roster spot they have to fill so let's say for example they fill that with mike remmers that means now one less offensive tackle or one less offensive lineman is going to make the roster. So I, I can't give you an exact guess there. But um, as far as the eye test goes on how many rookies can start, if you're talking this year, I think you're going to see the two cornerbacks, um, Baker 
and love. They're going to see, see a lot of playing time. You're going to see Dexter Lawrence in there a lot. You're going to probably see, um, now I'm drawing a blank here. Um, let me just grab my roster sheet here. You're going to probably see, I'm going to, I'm going to want on a limb here. I'm going to say at some point later in the year, you're going to see Daniel Jones start a game. Um, especially if the Giants end up out of the playoff hunt. I think he will take over if he is ready. If not, I could see a case where, you know, maybe they give him a, a week, you know, to, later in the season to, uh, to to show how far he's come along. So I would not rule that out. Certainly Daniel Jones is being looked at as a, as a future starter. Um, I think we could maybe see this tight end, C.J. Conrad, who's an undrafted free agent. You know, this is a kid I really like, and I, and I wonder if he doesn't maybe replace um, – either Garrett Dickerson or Scott Simonson on the roster. Just, you know, very intriguing player for me uh, to keep an eye on. So, so yeah, you're looking at probably about a handful, maybe five guys who, who, who might be starters or at least play a significant role on the team, both on offense and defense in 2019. All right, next question comes from Empire PR Man. Wants to know, what are your impressions of Big George? Uh, still kind of formulating the impressions. I mean, as a person, love him. Has a lovable personality. Um, you know, just from what I've seen on tape, um, I think he's got the size. I think he's got, you know, the ability to play at this level. The problem is, is, you know, to assess him now at the NFL level, little premature because you know there are no pads allowed no hitting is allowed and you're never going to really tell what an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman for that matter brings to the table until you um you get the pads on him and they start hitting and blocking and all that stuff so um little premature with that question i think but if you want ask me that again once we get to training camp and the hitting and all that good stuff starts um, i can give you a better answer at that point next one comes from joe ins 65 uh revisiting some history here wants to know if anybody questioned gettleman about the reason why romeo aquara was released and signs with the line to become an active pass rusher. Um, yeah, that that question was actually, you know, asked last year. Um, and it was also dissected last year. But just to reiterate what the response was, at the time, the Giants, as you know, were switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Romeo Aquara did not fit the 3-4 that they were looking to run. Now, yes, they have been multiple meaning they have run some 4-3, but when it comes down to value now, when it comes down to, you know, who you put on the roster, you want more than a one-trick pony. And the impression I got, uh, just piecing together the numbers, is that Okora was, you know, fine as a defensive end in a 4-3 alignment, but that was pretty much it for what he brought to the table. I'll also add this much, and I, you know, I'm sure this isn't going to sit well with anybody, but you don't know um, how a guy is going to respond if you if you cut him. By that I mean um, you could have a guy who is an absolute dud in your t on your team, 
uh, because he's not a fit for the system you're running. And then he goes on and he signs with another team. And, you know, now all of a, uh, all of a sudden he becomes a superstar and vice versa. Sometimes the Giants pick up guys and, and people are like, oh, my God, you know, that guy's a bum. Why did they pick him up? And, he, and the guy goes on to have a good career. So you just don't know. But basically, to answer your question, the Giants did not think, you know, he had enough versatility to play in the multiple front, hence why they went in a different direction and, and cut him. Um, as to why the Lions signed him, um, that you'd have to ask a Lions beat writer. I'm not sure, you know, obviously they saw something in him. They saw a fit and, you know, I'm happy to see him doing well. He was a good kid and I continued success to him. Uh, next question comes from at Rob underscore Crow wants to know if there's any news on Mike Remmers. Not yet. You're going to, the, the Giants um, are going to wait. I think they're going to get that a little bit more time. As you guys know, as of May 7th, which is actually the day this show is going to run, that's when the, uh, the veteran free agents that are signed do not count against the compensatory pick formula next year. In Mike Remmers' case, I think, you know, there's no rush. You know, obviously they'd like to get him in here sooner than later, but he is a veteran. You know, give the guy as much time as necessary to start, you know, to, to really make sure that that back is, is fully healed. Because the last thing you want to do is bring the guy in and then, heaven forbid, you know, the back isn't healed and he has a setback and now you're kind of stuck with, you know, having paid out some money. So, you know, really no rush. My guess is if they're going to, the two sides are going to come to an agreement, it's probably going to happen, I would say, before the start of training camp. So you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trina. It is a Twitter Tuesday. We'll take our first break, come back, answer more of your questions. So stay with us. Hey, Giant fans. Hiring qualified candidates can be challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connected to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through their site within the first day. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Giant fans, if you've been enjoying the Locked On Giants podcast's coverage leading up to the NFL draft, then I think you're really going to enjoy Inside Football. Inside Football is a newsletter written and published by yours truly. It's the longest-running, independently credentialed publication devoting cover-to-cover -cover coverage of your New York football Giants. A 26-issue subscription is available via email and offers monthly coverage during the off-season and weekly coverage starting with training camp through the end of the regular season, with playoff coverage included as needed. 
This month, we're making a special offer available to the Locked On Giants podcast family. We're offering a three-issue trial, starting with our April Draft Preview, which offers a targeted look at prospects that might be a good value and fit for Big Blue. This trial also includes a post-draft analysis and rookie minicamp report, which is published in May, and an OTA full-team minicamp report published in June. For more information, including a link on how to get a free sample issue from last year's coverage, please visit www.insidefootball.com slash locked on. Inside Football, for the best informed Giant fan. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. It is a Twitter Tuesday, and you are with Patricia Trena. And as always, it is my pleasure to answer your questions. And uh, we've got two questions, actually, from Barchi Man. Uh, first question is, was some of the narrative, i.e. two other teams being interested in taking Daniel Jones at number six, created to avoid linking him forever with Odell Beckham Jr. by taking him at number 17? Um, seems, seems easy. Okay. I think what you're asking there is, is the reason why the Giants took Daniel Jones at six, um, because they didn't want to link him at 17 with Odell. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I, I, you know, I think what happened was Dave Gettleman had some information. Now, whether the information was accurate or not, that's up for debate, but he had information that led him to believe that, uh, Daniel Jones would not be there if he waited until 17. I really don't think the Odell Beckham Jr. picks had any influence whatsoever on this team. And, you know, guys, you know, let's stop with the comparison with this. I mean, for what they got back in return, they got three defensive players. Odell plays offense. You're never going to get a true comparison apples to apples. And I think to just, you know, continue to belabor that point, you know, that that's just grasping at straws, at my, in my opinion. All right, second question from Barchi Man. Would you like to be a candidate to co-author Gettleman's A Corsi Style book when he retires to Cape Cod and gives us a real lowdown on all these moves? Uh, you offering me a book deal? Is that it? <laughs> um, actually, uh, I don't want to go too much into detail, but I am actually writing a book. This offseason, I've been working on a book. Um, I won't go into too much detail as to what the book is about. I will say it is about the Giants. And, um, you know, it's coming along at a, you know, kind of slow down a little bit, but it's coming along. And hopefully when we get a little closer um, to the pub date, you know, I'll give you guys more information about it. And hopefully there will be some interest in, in what I'm working on. I think it's going to be a, a nice project when it's all said and done. All right, next question comes from Jonathan Beck, jbeck77. Who looked better thus far, Darius Slayton or Reggie White Jr.? Um, I'm going to say it was equal, if I'm being honest with you. I saw things that Slayton did that I liked. I saw things that White did that, that I liked. And then I saw things that both of them did that I didn't care for. So I don't think one guy has jumped out in front of the other at just yet. Um... And again, you can't really go off of two practices because within those two practices, maybe a guy gets, I don't know, four or five reps to, you know, in team drills to catch balls and stuff like that. So um, just a little too early, I guess, to, to really say, you know, Darius 
Slayton's ahead of Reggie White or, or vice versa. But look, the bottom line is, is both bring speed to the table. You know, White brings height to the table. Um, you know, now they, they're here, they've got to work at it. There's no slacking off. They can't, you know, they can't be dogs or be content here. They've, they've got to work at it and continue to get better and show upside. So we'll see which one or if both maybe uh, step up and, and, and bring the goods. All right, next question is from NH Giants. Now that the draft and most of free agency is finished, how does the current Giants team compare to the 2018 starting season Giants? Which is better? Uh, hmm. Kind of, well, you're, you're asking which, if this, how this team right now compares to the team that they put on the field opening day. You got to remember the team they put on opening on the field opening day last year. We had seen an entire summer uh, go by, so I I don't know that we have complete information. What I can say, however, is I think this Giants team of 2019 has added speed. It's added some height. It's added some attitude that maybe was missing. I thought I thought last year the team I don't want to say was content. But I, just something was missing from that team. I don't know if it, if it was just swag, attitude, whatever the case may be. The other thing you have to take into consideration, John, is that now everybody is going into year two of their respective systems. So guys are going to play faster. You know, even the, the younger players, as they, they acclimate, um, things are going to move a lot quicker now. So uh, just I, I'm optimistic about this team. I like the direction it's headed. And I think, you know, you know, there's still some shaping that has to be done, but I'm looking forward to seeing how they, they, it pans out in the summer. Next question is from Christopher Marm. Um, wants to know, do you think Daniel Jones pick was more of a Gettleman or Shermer pick? And if Shermer has lots of input, what does Daniel Jones have that Lee looks for in an elite quarterback? Um, I think Daniel Jones was a Giants pick. I don't think it was necessarily one man over the other. The way the Giants do it is they have a discussion when they go on the clock. You know, everybody has a say. And then ultimately, you know, it's Gettleman's decision as the GM. But I do think he listens a little bit more closely to what the coaches want. Um, regarding what um, Daniel Jones has that Shermer likes, I would say... Um, uh, if you can, give a listen to Monday's show. I, I did a whole first segment, actually, on that. Um, I talked about the scouting points that teams use, including the Giants, you know, the critical factors, the position-specific factors. And I think that segment, and again, that's the first segment of Monday's show, I think that'll give you a lot of good information to answer your question there. So thanks for that question. Um Final question for this segment comes from David Tang. How does Jones compare to Lawletta and Webb in terms of their performance in rookie minicamp, NFL readiness, and how how they are treated by teams coaches? Um, if Eli hurt, if Eli got hurt, would he be a start? Would he get the start, or would a vet like Tanny? Um, all right, let's break those questions down one at a time. All right, so we'll start with Jones and how he compares to Lawletta and Webb. Um. I'm trying to think back because I got to be honest with you, Laletta, his rookie mini camp didn't really stand out to me. Webb's did because I just liked the, you know, Webb, Webb was very noticeable. He was more of a take charge 
uh, type of person, so you couldn't help but notice him. Um, I don't remember how how each guy did with passing, though. That's the difference. But what I, what I'll say is, um, and I'm and I'm really trying to think back here. Um, I would say this, you know, with Daniel Jones because of where he was drafted. Um, obviously, a little bit more attention maybe on his play um, as far as the coaching that he got you know I I didn't see I don't remember seeing anything different or out of the ordinary you know the coaches are there obviously to help and you know in, in the case of Webb and Lawletta you know because they were draft picks they were basically number one on the depth chart at the rookie camp um you know if you're asking in terms of performance I thought Daniel Jones a little bit more sure of himself um Davis Webb was definitely sure of himself but Jones just looked like um, he just looked a little bit more at ease, I guess, um, than say a Lawletta who was making a, you know the jump from a smaller school. So I, I guess yeah, I guess if you you had to identify a, a major difference, that would probably be it. Jones playing with a, from a little larger program than Lawletta and Webb did, and you know just you know. The other thing with Jones is, is is remember he had four years at in under one you know college program so I guess you could say he was maybe a little bit more polished uh, to start things off. Um, in terms of if Eli got hurt, um, I would think that would depend on where they were in the process. If God forbid Eli got hurt in training camp and couldn't go, I would think maybe a veteran would go at first. I don't think the Giants are going to put Daniel Jones out there until he is ready. At least that is the plan. So I think it all depends on timing, to be honest with you. Ultimately, I do think the transition is going to go Eli to Daniel Jones, but I couldn't tell you when. Um, I do think the Giants will probably want to keep a veteran on the roster as well. And, uh, you know, whether or not that's Tanny or maybe they feel Lawletta has advanced enough to where he could be that young veteran. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, certainly it's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. We are on a Twitter Tuesday. We're going to take a final break, come back, and I have a few more questions from you guys that I'm going to answer. So stay with us. Welcome back to Locked on Giants and today's Twitter Tuesday. We are entering segment three of the program and going to finish up with a few more of your questions. Again, thanks to everyone who submitted questions. They're fantastic as always and really appreciate the interest and the enthusiasm for the Twitter mailbags. All right, this next question comes from Ruben Martinez and he asks, do you see any of the corners filling in at safety on a few plays? So I'm assuming you mean some of the new cornerbacks that they drafted and acquired and whatnot. Um, yes, I could potentially see maybe Corey Ballantyne, the six-round pick, filling in as uh, as safety on a few plays. I could potentially see maybe Julian Love uh, moving in and playing that pseudo-safety on a few plays. So I would say those are probably the two candidates I would look for. Um, now, again, Corey Ballantyne was not at the minicamp, so I don't know that for sure. I'm just 
kind of going off of what his scouting report was and the roles that he played at Washburn University. But he's probably going to be the, the one um, who maybe down the line even becomes the next free safety after, you know, Antoine Bethea uh, moves on. Antoine Bethea, of course, is here for a couple of years. Um, but he's, you know, he's up there in age. And, you know, ultimately, they've got to think long-term replacement. And I think Ballantyne could be that guy. The next question comes from Rob, who wants to know, do you think the Giants will address more pass rushing free agency or maybe supplemental draft? And if you met any of the new draftees the Giants got, who was your favorite to talk with so far? Um, Rob, I do think the Giants are going to try and add a veteran, um, a, a veteran pass rusher. Uh, Shane Ray is the guy I've been keeping an eye on. Um, Ziggy Anza, I know, was a guy that, you know, th whose name came up. I don't know, you know, if I don't know if he's still available. Even if he is, I think he might be out of their price range. But I do anticipate they will probably add another pass rusher, pure pass rusher, um, at some point before camp. Uh, supplemental draft, I don't know that that's been set. I don't know who's declared, and we probably won't know that probably for another month. So I, I, I don't think there's going to be someone in that group. Uh, and regarding your question about the draft picks, I haven't spoken to all of them yet. So a little too early to, to, to say I, if I have a favorite. I really try not to play favorites, if I'm being honest with you. It's not fair to everybody. You know, some guys are, are a little you know, more outgoing than others. So just try and keep an open mind um, when I talk to these guys and, you know, whether they're rookies, whether they're, you know, veterans, you know, whoever they are, just try to, you know, keep it real, keep it professional and, you know, keep it productive, most importantly. All right, next one is from Mr. Coach Clean. Mr. Coach Clean, which quarterback is the first to go, Laletta or Tanny? Um, I, I think, um, if I'm being honest with you, there's only one roster cut in training camp, and that's the final roster cut. If you remember, they they went down, um, they they got rid of the you know from the 90 man to the 75 man roster. Now they just go from 90 right down to 53. So I would think they'll probably um, they will probably carry all, at least four quarterbacks into the summer. If I had to guess, um, I think Loretta's going to get an opportunity to compete. I think Tanny's going to get an opportunity to compete. So I I'm just not sure. I mean, it, logic would say probably Dungy would be the one that would go. He's not a lock to make the roster. But um, as far as which one's going to be the first to go, I I'm just thinking that, you know, we won't know until the final roster cuts come in at the end of summer. So... Uh, you know, that's what I think is going to happen there. All right, next question comes from Marcel, sees the moment, who wants to know, all right, so he writes, Penn State ran some RPO, Duke ran a lot of RPO, might we see a lot of RPO when Jones gets his chance with Barkley? Coaching Tree says, yes, Reed in Kansas City with Mahomes, Shermer cut his teeth under him. Um, don't know. If that I I don't know if they're going to run a lot of RPO. I mean, too soon to tell, Marcel. I, you know, certainly they. I think they have the personnel to do it. Um, I don't know um, how often they ran it at Duke. I'd have to go back and look. 
But uh, certainly that's an intriguing question, an intriguing possibility. But here's the thing, you know, they a quarterback needs to be able to throw the ball. And, um, you know, running it is, is all well and good once in a while if you need to. But I'm really, you know, I, I just don't think that the Giants are going to turn into a, a team where they're primarily running the RPO. I mean, you might see it here and there, but... I just, I just don't think it's going to become the staple of their offense. They're going to, you know, stay with that West Coast, you know, th- that theme, that West Coast theme, um, mixing in a little bit of power football, mixing in a little bit of the deep game play action. And um, that's, you know, it's going to be really a, a, a cl- conglomeration of a bunch of different systems that uh, Shermer's going to tailor according to the strengths of the personnel. So anyway... Uh, This next question comes via email from Eric wants to know, do you think Daniel Jones's leg can be legs can be used as a weapon more of an or more of an ability to scramble when he needs to like a Tony Romo? Absolutely. I think, you know, if if you look at Jones's mobility, um, much, much more mobile than Eli Manning. Um, Is he going to be likely to take off and run? You know, he did it at Duke. I think he rushed for over a thousand yards in the uh, four seasons he was at Duke. So yeah, I could see him, you know, using his legs to extend plays. I mean, nowadays in the NFL, you kind of need your quarterback to do that because, you know, the pocket is not always going to be clean. It's not always going to, you know, be perfect in which to set up and throw. So yeah, I can, I can definitely see them um, running some plays with the quarterback, maybe some, some design plays even. So Thanks for that question. And then the final question comes from Syracuse fan Brian P, who seems to think that I'm, you know, disparaging the the giant selection of Chris Slayton. And uh, it's a lengthy email. Um, Brian basically makes the case for Slayton using numbers and compares him to to B.J. Hill, who was the Giants' fifth round pick. And basically, you know, is asking me, you know, why why am I down on that pick? Um, Brian, I'm, I'm not so much interested in the numbers, the comparison. Um, I look at film, you know, I don't really concentrate a whole lot on stats when it comes to this type of work. I try to look at, you know, what I see technique. Um, I try to look at, you know, the, the core competencies and, uh, the core traits, the position specific traits to me, you know, I'm not saying that. Chris Slayton can't be a, you know, a contributor at this level. Quite the contrary, I think he can be. Um, With that said, um, I just don't know exactly where he's going to be a fit right now. I I, I mean, numbers put aside because, like I said, college numbers to me don't mean squat because different systems, different philosophies. And, you know, at the end of the day, statistics uh, in a scouting report you know, they're not as important as you think they might be. Um, I just, you know, I look at Slayton and I and I see a guy who needs to maybe add a little bit more bulk. You know, he's listed as 6'4", 307, and he looks kind of, you know, slender, for, you know, a, a slender 6'4", 307. Um, could he be, you know, like a 5-tech or even a 3-tech? You know, possibly. I mean, certainly, you know, they lined him up all over the place. I don't think he's going to necessarily be that, you know, zero tech or maybe even that one tech. Um, you know, I, I just, I need to see more, but 
just based on, you know, um, the initial scouting I've done, the initial film work I've done, I've been, I don't want to say underwhelmed by the film, but nothing has kind of jumped out at me to make me say, wow, you know, this is a guy who, you know, is going to be a difference maker. Now, with that said, yes, going to be part of the rotation. Yes, he'll probably, you know, he'll, he will get an opportunity. Um, but when you typically with the seventh round picks, I mean, you know, we, we've heard this before, guys are taken in the seventh round for, for a reason. And a lot of times those guys are, you know, they, they're 50-50 to make the roster. So I think Slayton is a guy who maybe will benefit from a year on the practice squad. But look, I'll, I'll keep an open mind. I mean, I'm happy to watch him in the OTAs. I'm happy to watch him in training camp and see what he brings to the table. Same thing with Big George, who, you know, is the seventh round pick. And, you know, a guy who I'm, I, you know, I wonder if he's got right now what it's going to take to, you know, beat out Chad Wheeler. So I, I'm willing to keep an open mind. You know, I don't hate that pick, you know, the Slayton pick. I don't hate it. Um, but I just think that in terms of that defensive interior, if you're talking about the rotation, I just think they're going to add to that, you know, because they still don't have, I don't believe, you know, enough for a, a seven or eight man rotation. So we'll see how it all shakes out. You never know. I mean, injuries could certainly factor in and and guys are going to get better you know you can't really tell on on two mini camp practices against rookies so I'll keep an open mind and we'll see what where things are at look at the film as as you know the guy puts film on together and we'll go from there so okay uh that should wrap up all the questions for this week as always folks thank you thank you thank you for submitting them Make sure you tune in the rest of the week. We got a bit packed week here at Locked On Giants. Tomorrow, Chris Biziano joins me. He's going to give me uh, his takes from the rookie minicamp. Because as I said uh, in the past, you know, I had my opinions. I gave them to you on the Monday show. Trying to get some other opinions from people who were there. You know, because I can't see everything all the time. Uh, On... um, Thursday, uh, we'll have some clips from the assistant coaches who are meeting with the media on Wednesday. And then for Friday's show, Dean Blandino, the former vice president of officiating, will be on the program. So we'll close out the week uh, on a strong note. As always, folks, appreciate you listening. If you have an idea for a program, somebody you want to hear, um, let me know. I'll see what I can do. I'll try and, you know, I'm going to see if I can grab a player at some point, you know, especially with the the downtime that's fast approaching. And uh, as always, appreciate you listening and we will talk to you again soon. Take care.